0: Hey, thanks for checking out this week's message. We hope you're blessed by the Word of God. For more information on River of Life, you can check out our website, ROLMT.com, or download our app. Just search ROLMT in your app store. Thanks. Hey! What up, family? How are we doing tonight? Man, it is good to get to preach. Oh, Pastor Jason doesn't know what he did. Just kidding. Just kidding. Man, uh, it was a good day. God is already moving. He's already doing some awesome stuff. Uh, tonight's been incredible so far. Spirit is just moving in such an incredible way. Last night we had our Yam Bonfire, our young adult ministry. Ooh. Woop woop, all my young people, Yes. If you are uh, 18 to 29, you definitely missed out. We had like marshmallows and roasted uh, hot dogs over a fire. We did it right out here. It was pretty awesome. I know what you're thinking. You're saying, Seth, um, 18 to 29, you don't really fit in there. And here's the deal, I'm the leader, Mona and I are the leaders, and that means that we get to go, and we get to pretend that we're young, and pretend that we're cool, and you can't say anything about it, all right? All I have to say about that is no cap, but that be bustling. Yeah, the youth taught me that last week. And I just killed it for them. (laughs) Uh, No, but in all seriousness, we had an awesome uh, bonfire, it was so good. Uh, It burned for a very long time and we were late, we were probably, actually we would have annoyed Jimmy, but Jimmy wasn't home, so thank you Jesus for ordaining that. Um, uh, but it burned a long time, thanks to Al and Danat Christensen, who donated some firewood to us. Uh, we, were very, we were warm, and it burned a long time. If you ever had a bonfire, or any fire for that matter, you know that there comes a time in every fire that if you leave your fire unattended, that it will burn down to embers, and it will eventually burn out. Some of you guys might heat your home primarily through, uh, through like a, a wood-burning stove, uh, not if you live in Missoula County, but all my uh, my other people, you, I, I know you're there. Uh, but um, you know the deal. If you leave your fire unattended, it, it will burn out. I learned this lesson the hard way. I uh, I was hunting back in Illinois one year, and it was going to be cold. And the way that we set up deer camp is that we would uh, we basically tent uh, at the, the bottom of this trail, um, and we'd have a bunch of different people that would show up from different places, and then they'd we tent there and go out in the morning and hunt all day. Uh, take me there, geez. I'm sure. Um, just joking. Hunting season is a long way away. Um, but, so we would tent there, and this particular year, year was going to be very cold, and so we were trying to plan for this. And um, a buddy of mine was like, hey, I have this big canvas tent. I'll bring this canvas tent, and it's got a tiny little wood burning stove that comes with the tent. You guys ever see one of these? Yeah. Yes. Yes, okay. So, Uh, We brought it, we set it all up, and and that was our plan. It was going to be minus 10, it was going to be cold at night, um, but we had our tiny little wood-burning stove to keep us warm. Now, the deal is with this tiny little wood-burning stove is that it's small, hence the name, tiny wood-burning stove. (laughs) So that means that we got to constantly feed it. And so we had this set up, we're like, okay, what are we going to do at night? Because it's going to go out. I mean, it's so small, it could maybe hold like two logs at a time. It was very tiny. And we're like, okay, well, one of us will wake up, you know, on the hour, every hour, we'll alternate, that way we kind of make it through the night, we get some sleep, and, you know, you know every three hours it'd be my turn. And so I'm like, cool, sounds great, we, we start that, that, you know, pro, that, uh, process there of keeping ourselves warm, and it worked out so good, we were so warm, until about, like, two in the morning when someone forgot to wake up and load the, the wood-burning stove with some fire, I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus, but it was my dad, um, and that did that. And uh, so, Dad, if you're watching this from Chicago, um, thanks for that, man. But I woke up, and I, I promise you, I, I had like icicles forming on my eyelids. It was so cold. I was freezing, and, and it took so long to get that fire up and going. But it ingrained in me that message that if you leave a fire unattended, it will go out. That's what fires, too. That's what they do. If they left unattended, they burn out. Today, we're going to look at an emboldening challenge that the Apostle Paul gives to a discouraged Timothy. It's found in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. You can turn there right now. We're going to get to it in a second. But before we, we get into that, I'm going to give you a little background. I'm a guy, Timmy, okay? Timothy was uh, a young man, young believer. He was from a town called Lystra. His mother's name was Eunice, and she was a great woman of God. Uh, Paul goes out of his way to talk about how great she is. His father, um, we know a little bit about him. We, we most likely believe that he was not saved, um, at the very least. And, you know, in large scale, he might, have, might not have been in the picture. Uh, we know, like, as Paul says, that Eunice is this great woman of God. His mother was a great woman of God, and his dad was a Greek. <laughs> so, so we kind of we take from that. Um, but anyway, Timmy... Timothy, my guy, Timmy, uh, he's a good man of God. And from the early age, his mother and his grandmother, Lois, they poured into him. They poured into the scriptures. Paul says that Timothy has known the scriptures since infancy. He's had this, this great upbringing that's poured into his life. And at age 16, he meets Paul. And Paul sees him and recognizes the great potential that's in Timothy. He sees him, and he's like, man, this guy has a calling on his life. And so Paul takes it upon himself. He gathers people together, uh, and, and in front of many witnesses, he lays his hands on Timothy, and Paul begins to prophesy over Timothy about the ministry that he will have. I imagine Timothy being 16 years old, not knowing like, like what is happening right now. But Paul just, he knows this, and he, and he prays this, this a prayer of, of calling and of purpose over Timothy. He lays his hands on him and he imparts into him the Holy Spirit and he uh, uh, commissions him to go with him on a missionary journey. And so Timothy leaves that place with Paul and they go. For 14 years, Timothy was with Paul. 14 years, he, he, he worked beside Paul and grew with Paul. He learned and watched as Paul's ministry did incredible things. Incredible things. People being healed. Timothy saw all that firsthand. He was was there. He was working at it. And after 14 years, Timothy and and Paul, they they decide, you know what? It's time for Timothy to, to branch out on his own, to start his own ministry. And so Timothy, with this calling in mind, a calling that was prophesied over him by the apostle Paul, He goes out into Ephesus where he was going to be uh, the, the leader, the pastor over a large group of believers in Ephesus. And he goes and despite the fact that he has this great calling on his life, his ministry fails. Timothy was set up from the beginning to have a hard time. He's a young man. Again, six, if he's 16 when he meets Paul, he would have been right around 30, which is my age right now. He would have been 30 when he was pastoring this church. And he set up that he's, it's difficult to preach and to teach people from that generation that are older than you. And it proved true. Timothy would preach, but then false teachers rose up in his church. They started teaching false doctrines. People began to attack Timothy. They came against him, and they called into question the validity of his ministry and of Paul's ministry. Now, unlike Paul, who was bold and strong and would stand up and tell you to your face why you're wrong. Remember, Paul called out the apostle Peter. Peter, he's like the leader of the church. No one calls out Peter. Paul's like, hey, I know I'm new to this thing, but you're wrong. (laughs) Paul's bold. A false teacher stands up, and Paul shuts him down. Someone attacks the validity of of, of Paul's character and of his ministry, and and it doesn't faze him. He stands up, shuts him down. But Timothy was timid. He wasn't bold like Paul. And so these false teachers rise up, and, and they come against him. They attack him. And Paul, I'm sorry, Timothy, shrinks back down. Timothy... Started out so hot for God, he was on fire for Jesus. Missionary journeys with Paul—could you imagine that? Could you imagine how huge your faith would be coming out of that? Seeing the things that he would have saw that that, that Paul did, or that like Jesus did through Paul, his faith would have been so huge, it would have burned so bright but fires that are left unattended burn out. And so for this reason, Paul writes to Timothy. He says, I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience. As night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded now it lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but it gives us power and love and self-discipline. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this opportunity that we have to, to learn from your scriptures, Lord God. I pray that you would help us to have open hearts, Lord God, that we would make room in our life for what you want to do, Lord. We, we lay down those things that, that have, have taken your place, Lord. We cast down our idols, Lord God, and we make that room for you. Come and have your way in this place, Lord. Move upon us, Lord. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear the word of God today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Paul tells Timothy, fan into flame the gift of God that is in you. I believe that's what God is speaking today. He's speaking the same thing. Fan into flame. Feed your fire is the word for you today. Come on. Yeah. Feed your fire, church. Yeah. Maybe you find yourself in a similar situation to Timothy. Maybe you started following Christ, started following God, and you were so excited at first. You're on fire, but now things in your life have come up. Obstacles have come up in your life, and you've backed down. Maybe you, had, you were walking out a dream or a calling that God gave you, and you started out full of fervor and ready to go after God, ready to go do what he's called you to do. But things popped in your, up in your life you never thought about. Problems, issues, mountains that stood in your way instead of going through them, you shrunk it back down. Maybe you're just trying to walk your life out in holiness like you're called. But every time you take a step forward, you find yourself walking back into the mess that you came from. You find yourself slipping back into old habits. Maybe you haven't experienced hardship, but your faith is just stale. You've grown complacent. Church, if we want to live forward, if we want to live forward, if we want to live up to the calling that God has for our life, live up and meet the potential that God sees in us, we have to fan the flame. We have to feed our fire. So how do we do that? How do we feed our fire? Well the first thing is that we need to acknowledge that the spark is there. Yeah. Scripture says that the spark that I'm referencing that that initial flame is the gift of God. Now, as I prepared for this message, I got to be honest. Well, one, I prepared for yesterday cuz I found out I was preaching yesterday. <laughs> but as I prepared for this message, I was thinking about this this scripture and uh What stood out to me was that I didn't know what the gift of God he was referring to was. You know, we can read the scripture, we can read all the different context clues, but there's context clues there that that would argue it's salvation is the gift of God. There's context clues that would argue it's faith that's the gift of God. You could obviously make a call call that the gift of God that it's referring are our giftings or our callings, our purpose. As I wondered about that and I thought about it, I I began to think about how closely those three things are, how tied together our faith and our salvation and our purpose or our calling, how closely they're tied together, and they're tied together in our identity in Christ. See, when we come to know Jesus, when we give our life to him, we give him the whole thing. God is not interested in half of your life. He's not interested in a partial version of your sacrifice. We have to give him the whole thing. And so when we take our life and we lay it down at his feet, when we lay down our old identity, the one that's full of shame and sin and inadequacy, When we lay that down at the feet of Jesus, we receive in its place a good deposit, as Paul calls it, a deposit of the Holy Spirit inside of us. And through that Holy Spirit, we are given a new identity. We are made new creations in Christ. And our new identity is not one of sin and shame and inadequacy. It is one of salvation and faith and purpose. Man, I just... I feel like I need to hit on that a little bit more. Some of you are sitting in here and you say, yes, I've given my life to God. I've given it over. You know, I repented, prayed the prayer, did everything I need to do. Church, he didn't just redeem your soul. He redeemed your purpose. If you're still living the same life, if you're still living the same purpose and for the same reasons, as you did before you were saved, then you're missing out. But he has so much more for you than that. He wants to redeem your purpose. Scripture tells us that it's by his spirit that we are saved. It says that it's by his his spirit that we are called. And it says that it's by our spirit that our faith is strengthened so that we can believe in Christ. It says in Ephesians 3.17. Church. The Spirit is the vehicle for our salvation. It is the voice for our calling, and it is the source of our faith. Amen. Yeah. Timothy found himself where he questioned all three of those. His life had grown difficult. He was met with struggles. He was so excited. But now his fires dwindled because of his outside circumstances. all those struggles. And the biggest struggle wasn't even the false teachers. It wasn't the people rising up against him. It wasn't any of that. It wasn't Paul being gone. The biggest problem that Timothy had was that his personality laid in contrast to his calling. Maybe that's where you find yourself today. You said God's called me to this thing, but my It doesn't fit who I am. It doesn't fit my personality. I could never see myself doing that. And so you've received this call, but it's just left you feeling confused. That's where Timothy is. He's confused. And that's why Paul starts this letter by reaffirming the sincere faith that's in Timothy. He says, I know that your faith is sincere. He says, your your, your mother had it, and your grandmother had it, and now I am persuaded that it's in you. Paul is confident. Your faith is sincere. The word that's used there for sincere can also be translated to mean uh, an an unhypocritical faith. See, Timothy felt like a phony He lived his life, he grew up, he preached this word, but now he was met with these struggles, and he's like, I don't even know if I believe the words that I'm teaching. I feel like a hypocrite. I feel like a phony. Paul is saying, your faith is sincere. But Timothy's struggles had made him feel as though his faith and his calling were somehow insincere. Paul wanted Timothy to know this, and you need to know this today that resistance doesn't contradict your calling. If anything, it upholds it. Oh, come on, church. Resistance doesn't contradict a calling. If anything, it upholds it. Yeah. It proves it to be true. Right. Pain just means that it's working. Yeah. Now, this is not an unfamiliar concept to me. In the way that I grew up, maybe you were like me, if I got a cut or scrape or something on my leg or my arm, uh, my mom would go in the fridge and she'd get out that horrid brown bottle of hydrogen peroxide. You guys know this? You, you, you grew up in a household similar to this? And she would approach me and I'd tremble because I was like, oh no, I don't want it to happen. She'd approach me with that horrific, awful brown bottle. And if it were my mom, she would like, put some on a cotton, cotton ball or something and dab it on my cut. If it were my dad, he'd like splash some on it. <laughs> Hydrogen peroxide. And as it filled my cut and foamed, ugh, it would sting. And my parents would say, if it's stinging, it means it's working. That's what Paul was trying to tell Timothy. If it's stinging, it's working. Paul desired for Timothy to understand the, 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 the truth that is learned through suffering. He says, don't be ashamed of the suffering that comes along with, with, uh, with following the Lord, with serving God. In fact, later on, just a couple of verses, Paul says, my prayer for you is that you would join me in suffering for Christ. Now, Paul is, is not some sadistic person. He's not just like wishing bad stuff on Timothy, but he knows that, that, that there's a truth that he needs to understand, and it only comes through suffering. The truth that Jesus showed us in his example of of his life that lived on earth. See, Jesus didn't come to earth to to show us that he was going to remove every obstacle for our way. He came to show us that that there will be obstacles in our way, and he's not going to remove them. He's going to empower us to go through them. He showed us on the cross. He could have gone around. He could have taken an easy way out. The devil gave him an opportunity to when he was in the desert. He could have went around it, but for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, right? He didn't go around his problem. He didn't say, "Father," he did ask Father to remove the cup, but God said no. And he said, all right, it's in front of me. I'm going through it. I'm going through this mountain that's in my way. Psalm 18 says... Psalm 18.32 says, it is God who arms me with strength and keeps my way secure. How does he keep our way secure? It says in verse 23, he makes my feet like the feet of a deer, and he causes me to stand on the heights. This is one of my favorite psalms. Church, stop praying for your problem to be removed and start praying for deer feet. We get so caught up in that in the problems that are right in front of us. God, please remove this from me. God, take it away. God, help, help me to, to find some way around this. And God is saying, your feet are like deer. Just get up and stand on the heights. Oh, man, I'm excited. <laughs> Woo! That strength, the strength that you have to, 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 to stand on top of your mountain in front of you. It only comes by the spirit of God, by the gift of God, the spirit that dwells inside of us, the good deposit that God placed in you himself. Paul is telling Timothy, acknowledge the spark. Remember the flame. At this point, the flame may just be embers. It just may be a light glow. But you know if you've ever made a fire, you know, if it's glowing, you can build it. I like that. I'm taking that. If it's glowing, it's growing. Thank you. Sign it off. There we go. There we go. Credit. I'm going to put you in my notes here afterwards. If it's glowing, it's growing. You can build it back up. Paul says, fan it. Fan it into a flame. Feed that fire, church. Yeah. Let it grow into what's a raging fire. Yes. That that commandment to feed the fire—it's something that goes back beyond the New Testament. It goes all the way back to Leviticus. That's right. I'm getting Old Testament. Yeah, That's right. Come on. Come on. Pastor Jason is like shouting from home. He's like, "Woo, go Old Testament." The commandment goes all the way back to Leviticus when God is giving, giving directions for the burnt offering, he says, the fire on the altar, fire by which that God started himself, Leviticus 9. The fire on the altar is not to burn out. Woo! Do not let the fire go out, church. Amen. Come on. Feed it. Come on. Feed it. You know, a lot of people think the Old Testament is, uh, it's not really relevant today. They think our old, uh, the Old Testament model of worship is, is, is very different than what we do today. And can I tell you, it's really not that much different. In fact, I'm going to get a lamb right now. I'm just joking. I'm, <laughs> ah, I'm kidding. <laughs> See, the Old Testament worship, it was, it was flawed. It was imperfect. But it was an imperfect version of, of the worship that God desired. It was like it's like if you look at your reflection in a puddle, like you you can tell it's you, but it just it doesn't look like you. It's kind of distorted, right? That's what the Old Testament worship was, and Jesus came and He perfected it. Amen. He came and He perfected it, and it's not that much different. It's just better. Yeah. Yeah. See, our worship still requires a sacrifice over a fire on an altar by a priest. The difference is that we don't need a lamb. Our life is the living sacrifice that we need to give. And instead of a stone altar, the altar is our heart. And the fire is the same. It's still the presence of God lit there by himself. It's still burning. And instead of needing one priest to pray a blessing over entire people, each and every one of you, is a member of the priesthood of believers. Woo! And you can make that sacrifice every single day when you lay down your, your life and you pick up Christ's identity that he has for you. Oh, Come on. Woo! The commandment even tells us how to feed the fire. Scripture says the priest should wake up every morning and add firewood to the, to the fire. If your faith is stale, I'd ask you a question. Are you feeding your spirit every day? And if you are, I'm asking you, what are you feeding it? See, the spirit craves things of the spirit, Galatians 5. The flesh craves things of the flesh. That tells me that there are things that you can feed your spirit that will make your fire grow, and there are things that you can feed your spirit that will put your fire out. I want to talk about that a little bit. We're going to break these into two categories. We're going to call them spirit quenchers and spirit accelerants. Those are the only two words I could think of. I was trying to find something better. (laughs) But anyway, deal with it. Just be like, hell, those are great words. Spirit quenchers. First thing, here's here's my couple spirit quenchers. First one, Paul actually addresses this later on. He says, a good soldier doesn't get entangled in civilian affairs. What Paul is trying to say there, or what he's saying there, is that don't make an overemphasis on your daily activities. Every one of us fills our schedule up. We're so busy. We have so much to do. Paul tells Timothy, stop worrying about that stuff. Stop worrying about the daily stuff you got to do. Take your mind off the tasks that are in front of you. It's like the story of Mary and Martha, right? What's more important, accomplishing the task or being with Jesus? Take that opportunity. Make time for Jesus. Don't get entangled in civilian affairs. Second thing, passionless worship. And you're probably saying this is just an excuse for the worship pastor to tell us to worship more. And I got to be honest, you're not wrong. But a little bit. Because you might say, like, oh, you just want us to worship more. Honestly, I don't want you to worship more. I just want you to worship the right way. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Don't give God mediocre worship. No. Amen. He doesn't want it. No. Amen. In Malachi, uh, 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 God says basically that, that your, your fires are useless. Your worship is useless. You're offering me worship that I don't want, and because it's, wor- it's, it's something I don't want, I'm, I'm pushing it away. I don't I reject it. Church, don't let your worship be rejected. Jesus said that true worship was with spirit and in truth, was in spirit and in truth, with passion and with substance. Is that how you worship? Because if it's not, if you're giving God half of it, it's going to put your fire out. A life focused on yourself and your needs will put your fire out. Or you only focus on yourself. We live in a world that is all about me, 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 me. Everything, it's all about us. All the time, look at the top-selling books that you find. They're all self-help books. Maybe the people that are reading self-help books need to help your. Maybe need to realize that you're, you can help yourself. Hold on, this is really good. I wrote this down. Maybe the... <laughs> Maybe the help yourself needs is to think of someone other than yourself. All right. We're going to cut that part where I messed it up out of the video. Yeah. So, Star Valley, you don't know why we're laughing. A life focused on yourself and your needs, it's going to put your fire out. Last thing I thought of was a life that's lived in fear will put your fire out. Yeah. See, God's a God of love and love casts perfect love casts out all fear. Amen. And so if the spirit of God lives in us and it's a, it's a spirit that casts out fear and you choose to live your life with a spirit of fear, then you yourself are putting out the fire of God inside Amen. of you. Instead of putting the fire out, let's grow it. Let's build it. And the way we do that is uh, is with those spirit accelerants, with true worship, just as Jesus described. Go deep. Bring passion to your worship. Bring substance to your worship. You say, you're just trying to get me to dance around and act silly. Honestly, I'm not. If you want to, go ahead. You can dance like David did. Just keep your pants on. But I'm not asking you to do that. I'm asking you to take one step. Step out of your comfort zone. If comfortable to you is, is sitting, with, you know standing in the aisle and just being quiet, if that's comfortable to you, I'm asking you to take a step out. Sing along with us. If you sing along as normal, start to clap with us. If that's normal, raise a hand. Take a step out of your comfort zone in worship. And see if your fire doesn't grow. Yeah, see if your response to God, saying, God, I know this makes me fe- feel silly. I know it makes me feel weird. And people are probably staring at me and, and, and acting, it, they think I'm acting crazy. Meanwhile, you're like, <laughs> trust me, no one's looking at you because they're taking a step themselves. Yeah they're going deep. Go deep with your worship and your fire will grow. Embrace the community of believers and your fire will grow. That sounds like a cheap infomercial for church, (laughs) but I promise you the church was was an important part of Christ's plan for his believers on earth. It is absolutely necessary. Gathering together in a place like this, believers, all of the same, heart and mind, gathering and singing together, bearing each other's burdens. Embrace the community of believers. This is for the people that are watching our stream right now. Where's my camera? Right there. If you are watching our stream in place of a body of believers, if if this is your church, welcome, no, Uh, if this is your church, I want to encourage you, and I hope I'm not speaking out of turn. Go find a body of believers. Yeah. Go find a place to get plugged in. If this is the only way you can get church, stick with us. We love you. We want to incorporate, incorporate you into our body as best as we can. But if you are far away from us and you can't, don't just settle for this stream. Don't just settle for stream. the stream. The church and our Christian faith is so much more than that. Dig into a body of believers. Or start something in your home, and we'll call it an outpost. (laughs) Brought it back. (laughs) Dig into the word. Jesus said that he fed his spirit by consuming every word that came from the Father's mouth. Are you digging into your word daily? Daily. Are you praying? Are you spending time with Jesus that feeds your soul? Look at Jesus on earth. He often retreated to go pray. That's not because he didn't have better stuff to do. He could have been healing people. But he knew he needed to pray. He knew that he needed to refill his spirit. And he did it. Live your life in service to others. Come and join one of our outreaches. Come and join us on day of service. Come and see if your fire doesn't grow when you're serving. I challenge you. come and have a bad attitude as you are, as you are trying to put clothes on people's backs. Come and have a bad attitude as you're feeding people who are starving. I dare you to do it. Come on, come out to an outreach, serve others. think of someone other than yourself and watch your fire grow.) <laughs> Don't shrink back from the calling that God's given you, and your fire will grow. Paul is speaking to a discouraged Timothy, remember. In 1 Timothy, in the first letter that he writes to Timothy, Timothy's so discouraged that he's ready to leave Ephesus. This man who had this incredible calling over his life, who knelt at the feet of the Apostle Paul as he prayed over him and spoke this incredible calling. He's like, you know what? I'm struggling so much, I'm ready to just abandon it. I'm ready to be done with it. And Paul encourages him in 1 Timothy, and he encourages him, here, stick with it. If you're going through something, if, if, if you're trying to walk out your calling and trying to live your life for Jesus, and you're continually struggling and you're having a hard time, if you want to fan your flame, stick with it. Yes. I promise you, it may not jolt your fire like serving will, but it will, it will steadily grow it. You know, when you're starting a fire, one of the reasons why, right, why we have all these, these wildfires in the summer is why. We have all these pine trees, right? You're trying like uh, take if you made a fire that was all of pine trees, right? Pine branches. How fast would that fire burn? It would go up in flames, and it'd be done in an instant. It would go, and then it'd be done. But if you start a fire the right way, and you place your logs on it gently, and you let it catch the right way, it may not burn quite as as fast or as big as those pine branches. But it's going to burn longer. And that's what sticking with it is. It's slowly but surely adding a little bit to the coals, growing it, adding a log as it gets bigger, and, and building it until it's something that can actually keep you warm and keep others warm, that could shine light on the people around you. Paul wants that for Timothy. Feed your fire. Fan the flame. But he doesn't just want Timothy to feed the fire, he wants him to feel the fire. He tells Timothy that the spirit of God that was put inside him is not one of timidity or of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Now, if you are raised in church, you probably sang the song God has not given us a spirit of fear. Bam. God is not. <laughs> You guys know that song? Nope. No? Nope. Teaching it next week. <laughs> um, as Serena Pysig were here, she would be singing right along with me. You know it to her. She would be jamming with me. Paul wants Timothy to know the characteristics of the fire that's been placed inside you. Know the characteristics of the spirit that's in you. See, normally when we look at this passage, we, we see that the thing that Timothy struggles with is timidity. But honestly, when I read this, I see four things that he struggles with. Timidity, certainly. But I also, I read this as Paul struggling with fe- feeling powerless. He had tried this ministry. He would failed in his own power and now he feels powerless. I read it as him feeling inadequate and, and uh, undeserving of God's love. It's the spirit of love that's inside of you. But Timothy, deep down, feels like, I failed. I had this, this big calling that I should have lived up to, and I failed. I don't deserve that love. I feel unloved. He felt betrayed by his thoughts. Many translations translate that self-discipline as a sound mind. Timothy felt betrayed by his thoughts, his fears, his insecurities. But Paul wants Timothy to understand that timidity and powerlessness, inadequacy, feeling unloved or undeserving of love, not being able to control your thoughts or your, uh, your, thoughts or your desires, those may be characteristics of who Timothy used to be. They may be characteristics of who Timothy was before Christ. But they are not characteristics of the spirit by which Timothy now finds his identity in. Church, the spirit is, is not inside us for kicks and giggles. He's not just hanging out there. He's there to empower us. He's there to embolden us, to take our weaknesses and to make them strengths. Strengths. The spirit inside of us is not one that makes us timid and weak and inadequate and unloved and unable to control our thoughts or desires. If you are feeling those things and they're shaping the way that you live your life, can I tell you, you are not following the spirit of God. You're following the spirit of yourself. You are relying on your own strength and your own power and every time that will fail. Amen. Every time we'll fail on our own. That is not the spirit that God's placed inside you. If you are relying on yourself, God did not come. He did not place his spirit inside you so that you could choose it over his. The spirit that God placed in you is bold, it's powerful fully aware of God's love for us, and it's in absolute control of your mind and your desires. The spirit that lives inside you, it's one that, 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 that by which we are saved. It's one that, that feeds us our calling. It's one that, that grows our faith inside of us. It is not one that makes us back down, but it's one that makes us bold. Every single one of you, every believer in this place has a fire, a spark that was lit inside of you. The moment that you gave your life to Jesus, that fire was lit. Church, what will you do with the fire inside of you? What will you do with the fire inside of you? Timothy was tempted to let it burn out. Is that what you will do? Will you let your fire burn out? Or will you acknowledge it and will you feed it until it consumes you and transforms you into the bold, powerful, loving, and controlled person that Christ has called you to be? This message is meant to encourage you, I promise. God has an incredible calling for your life, church. You have so much potential. It's what this series is all about. There are so many things that will keep you from reaching that potential. But you can reach it. You can live up to the potential. You can be who God knows you can be. The person he's created you to be your path to that potential starts with the spark. if you acknowledge it, if you feed it, and if you feel it, it will transform you into who you were made to be. Hey, thanks for listening. River of Life is a ministry in East Missoula, Montana. We exist for one purpose,